Welcome to the Nate Show. This is the Nate Show podcast. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. Make sure you're following me on social media at That's Nate Cox, and also the podcast has its own Facebook page. That's at the Nate Show podcast on Facebook. The podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. You can even ask Siri or Alexa, whichever one you choose, say, hey, play the Nate Show podcast, and she'll start playing it for you. How about that? So thank you for tuning in. Let's get right into it. This episode is a continuation of sort of my interview series with some really just bright and sharp and funny comedians from the East Tennessee area. And this time I was fortunate enough to have Joanna Brooker on with me. And if you want to follow her on Instagram, she has a very creative um, Instagram name. It's it's at least funny to me. It's Cup of Joanna. You know, I said a cup of Joe coffee. You know, Cup of Joanna. That's J-O-A-N-N-A. And she's really funny, really intelligent, and her background was something that I wanted to explore uh, whenever I sat down and talked with her. Now, one of the reasons I got to know her to begin with is because I met her at an open mic. I was actually hosting a show. There was an open mic before that. She delivered a line about, you know, a lot of bad decisions led me to the point that I'm where I'm at now. And I was like, yeah, same. And so I wanted to get to know her. We exchanged information, and we've talked kind of off and on on Facebook and everything. And it's been pretty cool getting to know her. And this episode was a lot of fun for me because she brings a perspective that I appreciate. And then I'm not really used to. I I did that disclaimer a few weeks ago about how, you know, some of the conversations I'm going to have with people are going to be a little bit different. They're going to be a bit more, quote unquote, political in nature. And so she has sort of a a, a mind um, and a spirit for that. And so we talk about that a little bit, but she also has a different process than what I'm used to as far as the way she approaches writing, not just jokes, but in general, she's an excellent writer. And so we explore some of that. We didn't really get to talk as long as either one of us would like because she ended up having to go to work and I had a place I had to be as well. So it kind of worked out. We're definitely going to work together again, not just on a podcast episode, but we have some future projects that we're you know, kind of working on. I want to definitely take advantage of her writing skills for some different things that I'm working on. And um, she's, uh, like I said, she's really fun to talk to, really bright, really intelligent. And here is my interview slash conversation with Joanna Brooker. So I'm sitting here with Joanna Brooker, and um, she has been kind enough, by the way. Uh, I drove out to Knoxville today. She found out that I hadn't eaten, so she was kind enough <laughs> to give me a banana and some peanut butter. So if you hear me awkwardly munching through the podcast, that's why. So I want to thank her for that. But um, anyway, I met her a few weeks ago at Brickyard Open Mic, and we had our, our buddy Keith Marcel perform that night. And um, real quick, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself and just kind of get started that way, and then I'll jump back in. Okay. Um, my name is Joanna Brooker. Uh, I guess I'm a fledgling comic. I'm a little baby. I've only been doing it for nine months, so I just had my first baby. Um, yeah, I met Nate at Brickyard one evening. Keith was performing, and there was a lady who was... She oh, seemed no. very kind. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> At first, yeah, she did. Well, she was super supportive during my set. She mm-hmm. was like, uh, yeah, that sounds awesome. Like, she wanted to come. I was hosting a show the next week. There was an all-female comedy show, and she's like, that sounds awesome, and all this stuff. And then uh, after the mic kind of got through, we went into a show, and... Uh, Keith came up, and Keith is really awesome about engaging the crowd. That's something yeah. I really respect about him and really enjoy watching. But she just wouldn't stop talking. 
She just like every single time he said something, she wouldn't die back down, and I, it was just crazy. I hosted that show. Mm-hmm. I think that she spoke more than I did. Yeah, <laughs> it was at that point she was I'm like, not "Oh, that. I know you're not," because I literally I remember moving towards the back of the room, not because I wasn't enjoying like what you were saying, but more so I was like, <laughs> "I have to get away from her." Like she was just like. Her energy was just very much like, I have no idea what a comedy show is. And I'm just here to have a laugh and drink some Chardonnay. And it was just unreal. And that was deeply funny, but also deeply upsetting at the same time. Because, I don't know, there are sometimes, some nights in comedy that are just so, such a shit show. Mm -hmm. That all you can do is laugh through the pain. I often heard, sorry I was biting the banana there. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> I think we're off to a great start. Um, mm-hmm. I had often heard, because I'm a baby at this too, the whole stand-up thing. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it since January, so not very long. About almost the same amount of time you have. And I always heard stories of bad nights and people bombing. But up until that night, I'd never really experienced a night that bad before. <laughs> so I was glad to just kind of get through that. I don't yeah. know why. I was still up there trying to stick the material. Yeah. And it was just like, this night's not going to go. Like The way you think <laughs> no. it's going to go? No. And sometimes that's really how it be. Like, you're like, I have a plan for how this was going to go. Keith was literally even saying like, man, I even had it written out. I had rehearsed. And she just like ruined it. But honestly, that's one of the funniest times I've ever seen him perform, just how he was deflecting and stuff. It was like a master class, and hey, someone won't shut the fuck up, here's what you do. He was, Which was cool to see, just because, like, um, something I've really tried to learn from Keith, and, like, I really respect that he's brought to our scene, is just kind of really awesome crowd work and really strong performance. Yeah. Like, I... I don't think I I don't really understand his writing process yet. Um, by that I mean like everyone has their own process. But something that I just really quickly saw from him, and that I try and learn from him every time I see him perform, is how to engage with the audience, and how to just like step into that persona. Because like yeah. everything he says has that cadence that you need, and that's just been really cool. That was straight up a masterclass that evening, which is the main thing I was really. I really enjoyed and like took from that. And he was uh, he was in Johnson City um, this past Friday mm-hmm. and did our open mic, and uh, he was great. He closed out that one. It was kind of the same thing. He mm-hmm. interacted with a couple on the front row, and it was just it was amazing. So yeah, and he'll be on the podcast at some point as well. We've talked about that. But um, yeah. you mentioned during that you recently did an all female show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want, just go ahead and talk about how that went and how much fun that was to do. Yeah, so I um, I had seen a lot of people in Knoxville just kind of start booking their own shows and putting stuff together. So I was like, why can't I do that? So I emailed the pilot light and I was like, hey, I want to host an all-female comedy show for my birthday. And they said, okay. So <laughs> that just kind of worked out in my favor. Um, a friend of mine drew a poster for me that I love very much. And um, I was able to assemble, like, I have been very fortunate to befriend a lot of female comics since I've been on the scene. Um, I asked them to be on my show, and it was just such a fun evening. Like, I just, like, started the evening by playing, like, a bunch of female empowerment anthems in the space and, like, creating kind of the energy I wanted for the rest of the evening. And then, like, I covered the place in streamers and balloons, 
that had cake and popcorn, like kind of making it like an actual birthday party. What are your favorite female empowerment anthems now that we're on that topic? <laughs> uh, the first one that comes to mind, it's not, it's just a bop. It's not even that great of a female empowerment, but Lip Gloss by Lil Mama. That's a good one. What yeah. you know about me? Which, what you know? <laughs> There's something you gotta create that energy. I get yeah. it. There's one. I'm actually gonna awkwardly look it up. No, you're I fine. I feel like it should be on. Like if you put a playlist together, I think it should be on there. There was also a lot of Beyonce and Lizzo. Let me be straight, cause like I've heard that Lizzo song like everywhere. Like, like everywhere it wasn't even on. like she has so many other good ones, like yeah. Like a Girl and Soulmate. Like I am my own soulmate, which is what she talks about, and that's like what we wanna like as a woman. We have to stand. Um, but no, the show was so much fun. Which what one? a feeling from Flashdance. Okay, that was not on there. <laughs> that one <laughs> I listened was... to a lot of 80s, so that's sort I kind of vibe, was more so. like modern yeah, with it. Just like, a little yeah, bit old, more like so. in the 2000s. No, you're fine. We were all just, you know, fresh sproutlings. We're all early 20s babies. But who um, all, how old are you? Oh, I'm 30. Oh. So I just turned 30 in June. Oh, very so, cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Who all did that show again? I know Alexis, who was just on the show, did that. Alexis did the show. Anna Tantaris is one of my very dear I friends. I still feel bad because I called her Andrea that night with open <laughs> mic because I was so flustered and like she had made she had done a bit uh-huh. that I agreed with and I was like, your name Andrea, right? She was like, no. So anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Though. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you you're either, fine. But. You're fine. She's she's very chill. She probably took that in stride because she's a she's a cool lady. Um, and there's also Rowan Young, who's another one of my dear friends, and Emily Gwynn. And uh, it was just super fun. Like, I didn't look at my phone once that entire night. I had one of my friends come, and she took photos of the evening for us, which I feel like it was a really smart thing because, like, I wasn't on my phone worrying about capturing it at all. I was just yeah. like, I'm here, and I'm enjoying this. And it just, like, it was so much fun. I, it looked, just from the was, pictures, I wish I had been there, but yeah. from, just from the photos, it looked like an amazing time. Oh, yeah, the crowd was just, like, very focused, and I think it's also, like, I feel like the energy you bring into a space is the energy that, like, people feed off of. Yep. So I think I did a really good job of being intentional and, like, setting that energy, because, like, I really believe that we can manifest, like, the things that we want, and when we're intentional about how we approach things, I think it can really lead to fruitfulness, so it just, it was just so much fun. I I definitely want to do another one. I get... If you saw me smiling there, I get really excited when people talking about energy and manifesting things mm-hmm. that you want because that's probably been over the last few months my favorite topic and yeah. it's my favorite thing where I'm constantly just speaking things that I want and mm-hmm. then creating the energy around it and then going to get it if it hasn't already showed up yet. So <laughs> love talking about stuff like that. If you want to talk more about that, I literally just finished reading a book that literally talks about like the power of spells and ritual yeah. and it's not even in like a magic you like fake sense is more about how intentional you are with being in the world the things you speak into existence and just kind of the ways in which you move through the world because your words actually do have a great deal of power and anyone who tells you differently is not being responsible with like the power they have even people i don't know what your and we don't have to talk about it but I don't know what your views on religion or mm-hmm. whatever are, but even in the Bible, it talks about your tongue being the rudder of a ship and it guiding you whichever direction you're wanting to go. Um, so even I, if you're not into all the, the quote-unquote spiritual stuff, even Christians can sit and listen and be like, okay, well, there's something to it. It's, in, it's all over the Bible. It so. really is. And my thing is, um, I think of myself as actually like a Unitarian Universalist. So right. kind of the way I approach religion is that <clears throat> I think each religion 
has its own merit, but it's like a blind man touching a different side of an elephant where they think it's the whole of something, but really it's just the part of something bigger than what they can understand. And I think texts like the Bible and things like that are really awesome um, metaphorical and allegorical ways in which to understand that the fruits of the Spirit are real, that the things we do and like act on actually matter. And life is meaningless if you believe it's meaningless, but if you believe your life has a purpose and you believe in fighting for goodness, that's what you're going to manifest in your life. Exactly. And we were talking about speaking things, and I love talking to people about that, and they go, you know, that stuff doesn't really work right. I'm like, yeah, well, for you it doesn't, because you don't believe it's exactly. going to work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Technically, you're right. I'm not going to argue with you. You're but, right for your world, yeah. but in my world, because I believe in the things that I say, and I believe that my words have power, that's what actually happens for me. I was watching a video recently with Jay-Z where he was talking about people always want to tell you, you can't do that. And he's like, no, you can't do that. Because like, <laughs> it didn't work out for you doesn't mean it's not going to work out for me. Like, you know, so. No, exactly. Exactly. And also something I'm having to learn, too, is um, I'm having to learn to not ask for permission from people in order to do the things right. that I want to do. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, I was actually super nervous about putting on a show because I was like, who gave me the fucking right? I have you no right to do this. But I was like, why the fuck can't I do this? Why the fuck can't I just, like create something that I want to see in the scene that no one else has done that I want to do. So that's just kind of the way I approached it. Like I was inspired by people like Beth and like people like uh, Keith Orlowski and like Lucas, they're making shows and then Rowan and Emily, they're making shows. And they're just like, this is, these are the things I want to see in my scene. So I'm going to step out and I'm going to make the things that I want to see in my scene. And I think that's what it's all about is like building an ecosystem of people who are working together to kind of grow a scene yeah and there's such a demand for it even if you don't really know it's there you can always what I always like about doing stand-up or anything that's creative is it's like you're literally creating art it's something that wasn't there before and you're able to create it and like you said you know it's it's just like well I don't need the permission to do it it's what yeah. I want to do I'm going to go do it and like, yeah. I just love that ambition and I love just the energy that, that surrounds all of that Oh, yeah. And I've also, like, I've been really drawn into performing again because um, I haven't really touched on this, but I started doing stand-up actually because, like, I was a writer. Right. And um, what happened was I've always wanted to write comedy. That's always been something I've been interested in, in doing. And I started writing for a sketch comedy show while I was at UT. It was a student-run sketch comedy show, and I just had so much fun doing it. Like, it was everything I ever wanted to do. And... Um, from that, I actually met Keith Orlowski. We wrote together, and he kept telling me about how he would go out and do stand-up regularly. And I've always thought about doing stand-up, but I was like, there's no way. But the more I wrote and the more I interacted in that sketch comedy setting, I was like, wait, my writing gets better when I learn how to perform it yeah. and I learn how to speak it. So I decided to start doing it, and I just, like, I loved it. I love being on stage, and I love, like, truly a performance is a shared emotional experience that you're, like, resonating with people about. And it's just been really cool because it's, like, a, for me, it's two things. One, it's a monologue. I get to write and perform myself. Two, it's a live workshop because I can hear out loud this is what works and this is what yeah. doesn't. So I can automatically take that and revise my work in real time and that's like as a writer revision is everything yeah. so that's been really really cool about um just kind of stepping into that world like i don't think i'm ever gonna quit even if it's not the dominant thing i mean be i become known for 
or I do with my life, it's something I just love doing. Like, it's such a cool way of moving through the world. Yeah. And you actually kind of beat me to it because my next question was, <laughs> what led you to doing stand No, that's great, though. You were on that wavelength. Just, yeah. That was my question, though, was what led you to comedy? I laughed at you, or I guess I should say with you at that show because you were just like, yeah, a lot of bad decisions led up to this point. And yeah. I was like, yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some it's of like, them still continue, but yeah. It's yeah. Like we, yeah. Do you remember, if you don't, it's fine. Do you remember your first laugh? Like your first when you got up on stage, you told a joke, and it actually, and that feeling that surrounded that, where you're just like, oh, wow, I can like do this. This is going to work. <laughs> I actually, or was like, it the opposite of that? It was one of those things where I just stepped on the stage. I was so nervous the first time I did stand-up. Yeah, yeah. Holy it was shit. terrifying. I was literally, yeah. like, shaking, holding my phone. But, like, people were following along with me and, like, listening to the words I had to say. And the crazy thing is one of my, like, actually very near and dear friends who I hadn't seen in a very long time. She's been having kind of a tough time. She actually came out and saw me that night. That's the only time she saw me do stand-up. But she was there. Wow. wow. I have a similar experience really yeah. that's crazy yeah. <laughs> but like it was so sweet to see her because like she had she had been through a lot and just like being able to see her and being able to share that with her she's like i thought she kind of uh boosted my ego a little bit she shouldn't have done that but she was like i thought you were so good like you were i could tell like this is something you were supposed to do like what else did she she was just so sweet she was just so sweet yeah. and it just like it felt very right like there are certain things you do in your life when the first time you do it, you feel like you step through a portal was, into a yeah. new world. Yeah. And that's really what it felt like for me. Because I was like, oh my god, I miss doing this. Like, I miss being on a stage and, like, yelling. And, like, just, like, being a character. Like, it's just so much fun. It's just a blast. I had um, a friend that I worked with. I used to work at a warehouse. Uh-huh. And we worked right beside of each other. So we developed kind of a friendship. Had the same sense of humor, same yeah. music taste, and whatever. And then she basically talked me into doing the open mic. She was like, you're oh, wow. funny. I know you've been wanting to do it. Just go uh-huh. up and do it. I'm like, I don't know. So I wrote some jokes. And then she actually, the first night I actually did go up, mm. she was there and supportive. And she filmed it for me. That's awesome. And then I've maybe seen her once since then. Maybe the set was that bad. She never wanted to see me. No, but no. I don't know. Yeah, but I know what but you no, She'll still message me every now and then see how, say, hey, how's it going? But it's just crazy. It was so similar. Like, she was oh, yeah. so supportive. And so, like, when I came off the stage, she gave me a hug and whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, like, I would go, like, on the way out, people were like, hey, man, great set, whatever. And yeah. she'd get, she was like my hype man behind me. She's like, oh my gosh, see, look, this is so exciting. Yeah. You're a celebrity already. I was just like, just chill. <laughs> Calm down. That's funny, though. So, yeah. For people that haven't picked up on this, you live in the Knoxville, Tennessee area yes. now, which is where we are. Are you originally from here or are you from somewhere else? I, so I went to high school and, like, middle school in Chattanooga, but I was born in Dalton, Georgia. So when people ask me where I'm from, I say Chattanooga most of the time. Right. There's a nice little in-between there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I it's see you did closer yeah. to that. Yeah. But you've done three things that I think also contribute to being a good, well, not a good comedian, but I think there's a nice whirlwind of things that I think make you an interesting comedian. You mm-hmm. were a columnist. Yeah. You were a content creator. Mm-hmm. And you've worked retail. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that those things, I think the retail portion for me, I was just talking with Alexis about this, is it yeah. builds so much, not just material, but also understanding of how to engage with people, whether you even want to or not, but mm-hmm. just understanding the energies and moods of people. Oh, for um, sure. But talk some more, because I know you had some, you know, like I mentioned the columnist things, some yeah. journalism stuff. Talk a little bit more about the different projects you've done <laughs> since um, 
not just in school, but also since then as well, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, so while I was in school, I was a columnist. I ran a weekly column about women's adversity. It came out on Wednesdays, and it was called My Humps. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that was a real thing that they let me do, and I thought it was very funny. Um, I wrote about a lot of different things, like sexual assault, um, just kind of talking about sex ed in the state of Tennessee, which is horrendous because yeah, we don't have oh, it's it. it's awful. Yeah, yeah, and just kind of talking about like the factors that contribute to that. Um, I also talked about body hair, Rick and Morty. Uh, I watched my first ever episode of Rick and Morty last night. Oh, so it's like great, but also the movie. fans ruin it. Like, what have y'all done? Yeah, I know. Thank you, because that's also why I haven't watched it. <laughs> it's just like, you don't have to like ruin stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. And I also think, um, not something kind of, I investigated while I was in school. Like I studied rhetoric which was one of my majors, and what I was really interested in is like kind of the ideologies at work behind the things you say. If you pay attention to Rick as a person, he's not a good person. And, yeah, I already um, picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, time. and what's interesting is like, I kind of compared him to Bojack Horseman. Have you seen Bojack Horseman? Yeah, I love Will Arnett, <laughs> so yeah. No, it's a great but movie. That was, that or was, not movie, sorry. I had a TV choice show. between, I was like, I narrowed it down to like a little tournament in my head. Which animated show am I going to watch next? <laughs> it was Bojack or Rick and Morty. So I chose Bojack, Bojack is so much better solely because the way it approaches kind of talking about these storytelling cycles we've gotten caught in. And that's kind of something that's really like near and dear to my heart. Is it like there's, in Bojack Horseman, there's a man who really wants to be better, but he doesn't know how. Right. He has no idea how to try and be better. And he's like so old and like kind of set in his ways he feels like growth is almost impossible and something i really appreciated about that do you mind if i do spoilers for rick and morty you're gonna i don't me? mind anything okay. so okay. you go do what you well, want to do something spoiler alert for rick and morty yeah this is a spoiler alert if you've never seen pickle rick so skip tired. the so next like minute quote, well, the whole thing about the Pickle Rick episode, which drives me crazy, is everyone's a fucking obsessed with Pickle Rick. I know. But no one pays attention to the fact that that's the episode in which the whole family goes to therapy. <laughs> and Rick straight up is like, I'm too smart to need therapy and I don't need people. I'm like, that's not a healthy attitude to have towards trying to be better for the people you love and care about. Right. Bojack Horseman takes an opposite thing where it's like, Bojack, you're actively hurting the people in your life. And in order to be better, you have to try and like actually be better. Go to therapy, work through your issues and address that. And it's just kind of, I only bring that up just because like, I see a lot of guys emulating that attitude that Rick has where it's like, I'm too good to need anyone. I'm too smart to need anyone. And like, my words don't matter. I'm a nihilist. Man, I'm like, no, that's not a good way to move through the world. That just kind of sows destruction and pain from people who love and care about you. You know, like you should be focused on connecting with and loving the people you know. I'm sorry, I just went off on a tangent. No, no, that's what this microphone's for. <laughs> okay. I want people to go off on tangents and talk about what they care about. Yeah, but that's, that's like that saying that also influences like my comedy style. So I studied comedy while I was in school, and since then I've like been branching out into writing. I'm also a writer and I try and write like short stories and poems and stuff like that and I'm trying to have a sense of humor in those because I think that's a really interesting way of like writing because everyone takes themselves so seriously. And uh, you really do. Huh? You really do. 
You don't yeah. gotta take yourself that seriously. Like yeah. it's not that serious. My um, thing is always in Johnson City. You know, sorry, I don't mean to no, cut you off. When I see someone wearing a suit and tie in Johnson City, I'm just like, what are you doing in Johnson City? It's that important. You need to yeah. a suit and tie. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. You're not Justin Timberlake or Jay-Z. Like, you really don't need to be wearing that. Anyway, yeah. No, you're fine. <laughs> but just kind of that influence, kind of comedy, when used effectively, can really be an instrument not only to change people's minds, but to make them see things in new ways. It challenges systems of power that are in place. Like... While I was in school, I was fortunate enough to watch a talk by the guy who founded The Onion. Oh, The Onion. Yeah, like The Onion's really sick. And something he talked about that has stuck with me ever since, talking about in comedy, is you always want to punch up, you never punch down. Right. Which means you're making fun of systems of power that are already in place, which is why I make a lot of jokes about straight white dudes. Love you guys, but also... No, you're you're not wrong. I think it's funny, but I don't make jokes about, like, homeless people or, like, people who are impoverished or people of color or LGBTQ+. Like, I don't do that because, like, those people already face enough shit in the world. Why am I going to add to it? Why don't I, like, make you think differently about the way things work? And that doesn't always work for me, you know? Sometimes people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Someone called me avant-garde and I know they were making fun of me. (laughs) <laughs> like it wasn't like ooh I think you're trendy it was more like oh my god but uh that just kind of formulated like my comedy philosophy and that's what I'm trying to emulate is kind of like not fringe but just kind of different ways of looking at the world which is why like I've been writing short stories and poetry I actually perform poetry sometimes when I'm not doing comedy so I did that this summer that was super fun I was in a poetry slam I lost but it was my first one. Poetry's great. That yeah. the open mic that I did first, like when I did comedy, it's not a comedy open mic, it's a whatever. So it's usually music and poetry. So I followed like some really sad poems. That's and I had to go up and try to be funny after that. Yeah. But it was fun though. It is fun, but I think like I don't know. And I think the problem is also like I I have a lot of sadness in me, you know, I'm a sad girl. I've got the well of sadness runs deep for me. And comedy has been really useful in taking like things that I would be ashamed of and stories that I think are like, this is fucked up. There's no way I can spin this. And then I spin it in a way that like, I laugh about it and that's healing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I start off every bit or every, you know, anytime I get up at a mic, I say, this is my therapy session. So just bear with me. Like, it sounds like a joke, but like, it, it may actually not be a joke. <laughs> it truly is about a way of spinning something. Like, for example, I was dating someone and they broke up with me like dump me over text we've been together six months on the day of my first paid gig in Knoxville instead of coming to the show that's what they did and like that really hurt my feelings (laughs) but I was trying to write it into a joke and it took me like months to write it out because like it hurt my damn feelings but I finally figured it out when he was uh sadder about my cat dying than he was about our breakup he actually tweeted about it did did that show go well? It did go really well. It was like I did very well. I found that when the emotional the emotional turmoil is high for me, mm-hmm. those are my better shows. And when I'm super <laughs> relaxed and everything's going great, those are usually my worst shows. Well, it's true. Art is very cathartic. Like honestly, a really powerful function of art is catharsis. Like. There's a reason why, as human beings, we're drawn to doing art. It's because it's a way for us to literally, like, make sense of the world we live in. 
Story is literally how we understand reality. If I didn't know what a fence was or like this door or this wall, do you know how fucking confused I would be about moving through the world? I'd be like, where the fuck am I? All the time. But I have been told stories about the way things work and that's how I understand the world. And I think it's useful to understand that sometimes so you can also understand when you need to rewrite stories. The stories you're telling are hurtful to you. Yeah. What I liked about a lot of the previous conversation we just had was there were moments where you got super serious about something and you looked over at me and I was just shoveling peanut butter in <laughs> That's yeah, it's fine. And that's sort of a microcosm of how my life goes. Like I don't I don't want you to think that I wasn't taking anything you said serious. <laughs> I kept waiting on the perfect time and then you'd make like a really serious point and I go, shit, I've got peanut butter all in my mouth. No, so. you're fine. You are totally fine. I'm monologue all the time, so <laughs> But you do something, because I know we, you've got some other things to do today, so I won't keep you much longer, mm-hmm. but you do something in your comedy that I don't do in mine, just because I'm afraid to, but you venture into the political realm. But yeah. I've also never really been a political guy, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably to a fault. Like, I've just kind of always been, just kind of chill, like, yeah, whatever, whoever gets elected is cool, like, I don't really care. And then mm-hmm. lately, obviously, I've tried to pay more attention to that, because mm-hmm. I feel like I've kind of had to, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned this on one of my last podcast episodes. Mm-hmm. Is I try not to choose sides. Even Beth Tompkins said the other day, she said, we try not to choose sides. We try to choose causes and mm-hmm. then inform ourselves and go about it that way. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I'm trying to get to, I don't really have a proper question for you on this, but how does the political realm influence your comedy and what are your thoughts on, I even hate to use the word politics, but just on that sort of stuff in general. And that's kind of a vague question, but... You have you have a more concise thought. We were talking off air a minute ago. You have more concise thoughts on it than I do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't even have a concise question. <laughs> no, you're you. fine. But I think you know what I'm trying to get yeah, to. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, um, politics definitely influences why I got into comedy in the first place because my comedic influences, like, one of my favorite comics is Eliza Schlesinger. She's just right. really smart and sharp in the way she moves through the world. And then uh, I grew up watching Jon Stewart. And just kind of people like that. And like Patriot Act. I don't know if you've seen that yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, I saw Minaj, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was afraid I would say his name wrong, which is why I let you say it. <laughs> I usually get names wrong, so that was, that was an upset victory. Um, so I, that's kind of like my main influences and the people I'm interested in. Because like, what I want to do is I want to like... I want to be careful about the things I say, and I want to poke fun at things that upset me and bother me. Like, I have jokes about the abortion ban and all of that, just because, like, it's straight up a fight against the rights of women. And then I have jokes about me speaking Spanish and being put in a concentration camp, because that's something that's also happening in the world right now. And I just think it's about being aware and understanding these things and honestly i do still have a lot of room to grow like i know i turn people off a lot when i start talking because i can be kind of who was it (laughs) jeff blank told me i can be preachy which is fair i can be kind of preachy but it's just because i give a shit and i feel like other people should also give a shit just because like at the end of the day it's not even about picking sides like it's not red shirt blue shirt that's bullshit that we've been fed by like the corporate news media and i say that as someone who's actually a journalism major because i think there's a real way to be ethical about the media you consume and we've just been given so much information all the time we're overwhelmed we don't even know how to sort through it it's so hard to be informed about these topics when we have 
so much information flying at us every single day, and that's kind of what they want. They want us to be confused, so we're easy confused, to control. I always heard people say, like, I had a, a, I wouldn't call him a counselor, but a guy that I looked up to a lot that used to give me advice on stuff. He would say, confused people do nothing. Like, the more you can confuse a group of people, the more you can just have them sort of subservient exactly. and willing to do whatever they hear. No, it's But the now truth. when you hear everything, you don't know what to do. So it just it's kind of like this weird, vicious cycle. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Like, they want us to stay confused so we do nothing. Because at the end of the day, it's not about liberals versus conservatives. That's not what it's fucking about. What it's about is caring for other people and who is doing things that is in the best interest of all of us. Yeah. It's not about what's in the best interest for some of us. It's not about... Oh, this is for you, and this is not for you, so we're going to fight over this stuff like it's scraps. Like, there is truly enough for everyone to get, and it's a lie we've been fed that we have to choose when all we need to do is focus on what's good for other people. Like, I don't want people who are fleeing, like, gang violence and stuff like that to be afraid to come to a country that has literally been built on immigrants. I don't want African Americans to be shot for like existing like i don't want to live in that world and it breaks my heart that we do and it's just at the end of the day i think it's truly about okay who is trying to work for all of us to succeed and thrive and who only wants some of us to and how does dividing us make us weaker and not stronger because when we're united we have so much power yeah like that's what we're built on you know it's kind and, of in the name. Yeah, United States of America. Like, united we stand, divided we fall. And I think it would benefit a lot of people to remember that when it's like, when you speak out against other groups of people because, like, you're not really doing anything for yourself other than dividing and causing more hate and vitriol. And that's not what we need in a time such as this. Like, especially we have a president like we do right now who runs a platform of hate and just, like, slander and just hurtful lies. Right. That are not helping anyone. Like, we're not being invaded. These are people who are fleeing gang violence that, honestly, the United States has a direct influence in. Like, if you look at history of how much we've interfered in their politics, now we're like, okay, we're yeah, good. We had no part in this. Yeah. And it's like, that's not true. We did this. Now we have to actually, like, help these people and love these people. And I think, um, I don't know, I just think it's really important to love people and yeah there truly is enough for us to go around like just speaking on knoxville right now i know we've got two or a couple great candidates that are up right now they've run these grassroots movement where they're really focused on getting affordable housing for people and awesome things for people david hayes and amelia parker if you look at their platforms they've just got really strong people driven focus and i think that's really what we need to move forward towards at a time such as this i um I know it's fairly late in the show at this point, but I want to remind people that I personally, just speaking on behalf of my own show here, don't care what your political views are. Mm-hmm. Not you. Yeah. I didn't mean you. Sorry. I don't personally care what the listeners' views are. I want people to be open to hearing other trains of thought. Yeah. And so I've mentioned that before, but I think that a lot of people, and I'm big on this too, a lot of people, whatever their political views are, it's that way because that's what their parents thought. Or it's what their favorite whoever thought. It's not actually their opinion. I want people to have their own thoughts. Like mm-hmm. your opinions on your views, whether someone agrees with you 100% that's listening or 0%, they mm-hmm. need to understand that those are your views and you've actually done the proper research. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the proper research. Mm-hmm. You have your own personal. Talking to David Habel the other day about his 
his views on pro-choice. Mm-hmm. He had a personal story. Oh, and here he said, here's why I feel the way I feel about this and this and this. And I love that because a lot of people just say, well, my daddy's Republican, so I'm voting. You need to read. Yeah. And you need to understand, like, the ways in which systems work. Um, something I'm really for and I feel like we've really kind of fallen off about is media literacy. Because, like I said, there's just so much information flying at us all the time. It's almost impossible to sort through it. Um, like you would have to be superhuman to be able to read all of the information you get thrown every single day. Like I literally have to force myself to get off my phone. I literally am less productive because I have my phone. I've turned off all notifications because I'm just trying to like get to a point where I read as much as I need and I go about my day. But when so many things are happening all the time, it's almost impossible. So I think it's really just... Yeah, you educate yourself. You read about the things you want to know. And I think it's also about love. Which I know sounds lame and hippie, but, like, truly, everything is about love. Like, it's about what you love and what you choose to love. Like, you are what you love, not what loves you. Right. It's an excellent way of putting that. (laughs) That's also a quote. It's not original. Is there any, as we're wrapping up here... Just for me personally and then whoever's listening, if mm-hmm. I want to, whether it be the Knoxville area or just in general, as far as we have an election coming up in 2020, a big one, another presidential election, mm-hmm. if I want to inform myself properly on you know, which causes are being done by which candidates or whatever, where, what's the proper channels I should probably go through to find that out? I, think I know there's a lot of them, but... No, for sure. And it can, it's easy to get overwhelmed by how the media spins things. What I really do is um i will go look up the actual people who are running and i will look through their policies and see what kind of rhetoric they're using who they're trying to appeal to what kind of policies they have in place and i think that's really a good way to start where first of all you're not looking through the media's lens so you're not looking at how they're trying to spin it you are seeking out these candidates by yourself you're like okay who's on this ballot i'm going to look at their actual website and see what they have to say and what they have to offer and see whether or not this is something i agree with i think it's just really about people being direct in their research and just trying to understand the things that are happening around it, them because it affects all of us. It truly does. From local to like national levels, it truly affects all of us. And the more we know, the better able we are to grow and evolve and love our communities. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I do wish we had more time. I know you've got some work and some things you've got to do today. Yeah. I've, I've very much enjoyed sitting here talking with you, just yeah. especially with comedy and politics and kind of weaving it all together. Um, where can people find you on social media if you want them to? Yeah, of course they to. can follow me. <laughs> of course. So uh, my social media handle has been the same since I was 17. It's Cup of Joanna. That's funny. <laughs> I thought it was very funny That's, then, yeah. but now I can't run away I from like it. I like wordplay, so I'm, I'm good with yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, if Cup of Joanna, Instagram, Twitter. I have a website with a blog that's not currently active, but I'm probably going to try and start putting that up again. So. And do you have any events coming up? This I'll probably publish this the first week of September. So do you okay. have anything September going forward that you want anyone to know about? Uh, I do. I think I'm, I am doing a show in November, but that's a while right. away. Um, Beth was so kind to ask me to do a show with, like, it's Krish Moyhan. November 15th at the Birdhouse. I think it's going to be an awesome, like, I'm not entirely sure the details. I know there's a lot of art. There's a lot of cool people. BJ Tools there. Uh, Bryce is there. So no Bryce yeah. Hustle. Huh, I might have said his last name wrong. Words are hard. But <laughs> it's supposed to be a really awesome show. There's going to be a lot of art. I think there's going to be a local musician playing. And just, like, come out and support your local arts community. 
Like, we need as much support as, like, people in New York City and Los Angeles because we love you and we want to make stuff for you. So come out and support us. We love you. Absolutely, yeah. Well, again, thank you for joining me. And if anyone's in the Knoxville area, make sure you look her up or come to any shows she's doing. It's, it's definitely worth it. So, again, thanks very much. And hopefully we'll get to talk again soon. Yeah, of course. It was so nice being on this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, that was... Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, you can follow Joanna on Instagram at Cup of Joanna, and there's actually a link to her blog page um, on there as well, where she's doing several interesting things. So make sure you're checking that out. Um, next week, uh, we finally have this upcoming Saturday is the beginning of college football, and which means next weekend we'll have pro football and I got with my good friend Alex Osborne and I'm actually going to split those episodes up into that one episode up into two because there's a lot of time spent on one topic and then we're going to make that its own episode and then the rest of our NFL preview will be done the very next day so I'm excited about publishing those Um, so those will be coming Monday and Tuesday so keep an eye out for those and then I will also have another episode up Thursday I don't exactly know the content that's going to be in that yet, but it's going to be fun either way. So thank you for tuning in. I look forward to having you back again.